Hello listeners, this is Lee Price. This is Will Ford from Football365. And you're listening, smartly, to At, At The, the Bridge, Bridge Pod, Pod, a Chelsea, Chelsea FC podcast. podcast, although I would describe it as THE Chelsea FC Podcast. It's time for another episode of At The Bridge Pod, your number one Chelsea FC podcast, Coming up on this episode... Sky Sports News understands Chelsea are unlikely to pursue a deal to sign Sporting Lisbon midfielder Manuel Igarte. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of At The Bridge Pod. And I'm joined in a virtual room filled with some of the Lions. I've got Ollie, I've got Chris, and I want to know what their highlights of the past. Sunny, lovely, warm British weekend were. For me, it was just the weather. It was just really nice. It was just... You know, it feels like summer's finally arriving in the UK and it's uh, nice to have some nice sunny weather, get the sun on your skin, get that important vitamin D in you, you know? I, I was only, I, I didn't even need to wear a hoodie this weekend. What? I know, wow. I, I, I left the house for the first time t- this year with with just a t-shirt on. Oh, I know the feeling. It was lovely. Oh, what about you, Chris? The weather has been lovely. Makes you feel better, though, doesn't it, as well, I think, when it's sunny. Like, you're yeah. automatically in a better mood. I like think. you're in a musical. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Maybe not quite that good. I was going to which musical? <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's very true. Um, no, my daughter did her dance show. Went re- went really well. She's That was her last one. Um, she's yes. given it up to play football, so... Knee slide. What, what, <laughs> what, a, le- what a legend. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, for me, it was just, just a chill weekend. I, I took in that British sun, uh, hit the gym, cooked some good food. Just just chill, man. I was, I was good. Those uh, are the best weekends. They they bloody are. Uh, I agree. The best weekends are the weekends where you don't actually do anything. Exactly. Yes. We, we, Life's tough. Sometimes is, you need a break. Exactly. There's nothing wrong with recharging those batteries. So we're going to hit some news from the weekend. Oh, what a weekend of Chelsea news, listeners. Oh, bloody hell. So I get to start with this. There's Thorgan and there's Eden. They've never played for Sweden. The Hazard family. And that is because Real Madrid and Eden Hazard reached an agreement by which the player is disassociated from the club as of June 30th, 2023. That was what the club announced. I mean, that's that's a real nice way of saying we don't want to pay you anymore. Go away. Fuck off. Um, I mean, to me, it's just a tragic conclusion to his time in Spain. You know, if you'd have told me when Eden left the Blues back in 2019, that would be the last we saw of him at his peak, at his best. I just laughed at you. I mean, well, and then I just thought you were patronising because we lost our best player. I mean, with Berth and I, Hazard's departure was our very first episode of this podcast. And I, he's not here today, so I can't ask him how he's feeling about this ending. But how do you two, how do you feel about the 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 end of Hazard at Madrid. Well, first of all, I'd like to say, I would like to reiterate that that, that jingle is the best thing this podcast has ever <laughs> produced. Um, but, you know, I'm I'm kind of devastated for him, you know, because I know he really wanted it to work out in at Madrid and it was his dream to, to go there and it's definitely not kind of ended and all gone the way he thought it would have done. But at the same time, it does make his Chelsea legacy about a lot better. Mm. So... You know, it's at the same time. It's like I don't know. It's kind of nice uh, in in a way, in a funny way. But um, but for all the people who are saying we should get him back this uh, for the coming season, you are 
out of your minds because that <laughs> should absolutely not happen. I, what do you think, Chris? I am gutted for him, mainly because I think he's going to fall into that category now of forgotten players. Or like who, a streets won't forget kind of player instead of a legend. Yeah, it, yeah. in like five years' time, no one will talk about him. And if you bring him up, people will be like, oh, yeah, he was all right at Chelsea for a bit. And then it'll be like, but then he was shit at Madrid. And it's like, it's That's such a shame. You're, because... only, you're only as good as your last, like your last season, more or less. Yeah, that, that's it. And the injuries really finished him off. And I think that that ankle break was the one that really, mm. that really did him in. And then I don't think Madrid have handled him brilliantly. No, a bit like the, a bit like Gareth Bale, I suppose. And mm-hmm. even even yesterday, I mean, they had a dead rubber game in the league yesterday, and he didn't even get off the bench. And it's like, no. to be fair, I understand why so many players want to go to Real Madrid. It's sort of like the glamour club. It's it's the club that you want it's to play like for. It's like the Hollywood you feel, Boulevard of clubs. Yeah, you feel like you've made it if you play for Real Madrid. Mm. But. Damn it. but they're not great with their players, are they? Let's be honest. They, I mean, they're not brilliant it, it in, the, in terms of... They're like, just the Spanish version of us, to be honest. Yeah, they're not like giving <laughs> people good send-offs and that sort of stuff. They're not very accommodating to their to their big players. No. I mean, it was the talk of him potentially retiring. That that just hurts me. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm going to... I've got to champion the whole one-contract idea because, for me, yeah. You know, that is a time-honoured tradition in sports, mainly USA sports, where, like, notable members of a a specific team would retire with the franchise club that they're most associated with. And for me, Eden Hazard is Chelsea. So if he is looking at hanging up those magical boots of his, just just do it at Chelsea. Retire a blue. Don't don't have it retire as a free agent all around Madrid. I think it would be a bit premature for him to retire. I think he could still... I think he'd be... It'd be a nice story if he went back to Lille. Yeah, or I back agree. To though, that... mm. Yeah, you know, especially with what's yeah. just happened in the in the Belgian league. There, that's full of full of interesting storylines. Oh yeah, stuff for with, sure. With the with the yeah. title race that just happened, uh, it's a uh, it's an interesting. I mean, league. when he does retire, I feel like we have to do that in Hazard episode, like a cult hero style, but more like legendary yes. lions. Oh. Really, we're gonna have to uh, we're gonna have to get like an orchestral version of the jingle for that. <laughs> yeah, the last uh, thing I'd like to say yeah, on Hazard. Good. The last thing I'd say on Hazard is. No matter what happened at Madrid, people shouldn't forget that for at, for the seven years he was at Chelsea, he was hands down the best player in the Premier League, 100%. and at times in the world, you know, like yeah. at least in One the con- those, in yeah. the conversation, you know, we were talking like there was a point at which you people would say, "Oh, who's like the sort of top five players in the world at the moment?" and Hazard would be in every list somewhere. Mm. Yeah, um, we have another Mason Mount update, and I'm gonna oh. Wait, wait for it. I'm going to run through this quick. Don't worry, because I'll run directly into a brick wall through pure frustration (laughs) over this ongoing story. Uh, Right. This is just literally running through this. United, yet to make an official offer, but senior figures at Old Trafford have begun discussions with Chelsea. Three rejected contract offers. That would have increased Mount's pay to be in line with the high stones at Chelsea. An agreement was made to resume negotiations in June. Club insiders say salary and bonuses proved to be the major sticking point. Chelsea have not given up on the prospect of reaching an agreement with Mount. The contract offers apparently were August and September of last year. We gave him five years and one year option. February of 23, just gone. One year with a significant increase in wages to allow for further negotiations. 
Uh, team, team, I, I want your reaction to this latest Mount Saga, but in the form of a movie. Cheer it all up a bit. <laughs> I'm going to go with the uh... longest yard uh, <laughs> because that's what this feels like. That's an NFL reference right there. I'm so yeah. proud. What Thank about you, you Chris? Uh, oh, you've really put me on the spot now, Mark. It's oh. uh, <laughs> a tough one, isn't it? I uh, misery. Do you Le, remember Le that? Miserable. Oh yeah. <laughs> you remember that that film Gone Girl? weren't the best film I've ever seen. Oh, that was the really it, traumatic it, one. It weren't even good, actually. It was a terrible film, but I just want it. I just want him gone now, so we can stop talking about it. I mean, I, mean, I kind of thought Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull. Because I've got, I put a bit of effort into this because the first three are masterpieces, like Mount's first three seasons at Chelsea. That fourth sequel, disaster. And this Mount 2 United saga is the after credits I just do not want. Yes. Uh, on to a more happier story. Uh, bloody hell. Let me just cross that out. There we go. Manuel Agate. So I feel that the original write up I did for this bit of news still fits even now. So this is what I did write out yesterday well according to record portugal the deal can be considered done after two intense weeks of many meetings agate has decided to follow his dream of playing in england he will earn three and a half million euros per season at chelsea and then this is what i put after we've been stung before here and as we learned from jules conde and rafinha to chelsea we see better than we hear you can tell us the deal is done but till a jersey is being held up no deal has been done Oh, I think even Dominic Toretto would have been proud of that handbrake turn I performed. Uh, so That is prophetic. Oh, I'm so lucky. I am so lucky. He said, so Sunday night, apparently PSG offered him a wage of €192,000 per week. Chelsea were going to buy a stake in Sporting CP. And now he's off to PSG. Any, yeah. Like, <laughs> that yeah. happened. Yeah. Like, wow. As quickly as it started, it ended. So, um, you know what? Not actually all that massively fussed. Um, thought he seemed a decent player, but, you know, it's not, mean, gonna, it's not worth paying what PSG were on. No, I mean, look. Pay him. We, it seems ridiculous. We we still don't know the ins and outs of this salary, but if he if it was, if we'd have matched their offer, he'd be one of our highest earners. And, you know, look, it's a huge risk if we do that. It, wage structure would be broken, considering we're trying to sort out this wage structure as well. I mean, look, being, being honest, for me, you cannot hand a player who's not simply the best of the best a salary that high. So for me, it's, it's congratulations to Ugarte. You know, he, he secures the bag in Paris. Fair play. It's life-changing money. It's a lovely city to live in. I, I wish him the best. I couldn't, didn't really know too much about him a few weeks ago before we were linked. So I'm like, can't really be upset. What about a lot you, Chris? of people are really upset. I noticed. Oh, it's just transfer over at season. We're all, like Arsenal with Mudrick. They thought it's there and then he wasn't. And you could say Liverpool with Bellingham and then he wasn't. And then everyone's like, oh, it's, 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 it, is, it, it happens. It's football. What, what about you, Chris? I'm really happy. And it's got nothing. <laughs> and, it, and, and to be fair, it's got nothing to do with him. Chris because as I said, when... me crease. Every As time. I said, when when we first got when we were first linked with him, I've never seen him play, so couldn't say anything about him. Still, haven't seen him play, so I can't pass comment. <laughs> I'm ha- I am happy in the fact that we are starting to learn from our previous mistakes that we do not have to just pay whatever players want, pay whatever clubs want. We can say no 
and it looks like they're starting. I'm fully with you because the, a lot yeah. of the fans last night were saying like, they were oh, mad. this is terrible. Match like, it, match yeah, the and, thing. And I'm and like, I was saying, no, actually, look, this is a good thing. We're finally, sh- you know, showing teams and other other clubs that we're actually we're willing to say no. You know, because yes. instead, mm. what what usually happens is people go, "Oh, Chelsea are at the door; they've got money. We're going to rinse." Yeah, exactly. You have well. to yeah, exactly. keep that in mind. Teams you have, have to, to know that, that we, teams have to know that we can and have and will walk away. You know, so yeah. as much as like I'm sure Ugarte would have been a great player for us, mm-hmm. I it, this is the fact that we're rejecting that is almost more important. We'll see yeah. what hap- how it plays out. I mean, finally, Benzema proves that the internet is reality, as they. Real Madrid announced he will depart the club this summer, leaving the door open for a Galactico to walk through the doors to replace him. Will it be Kane, Osman, or perhaps? This is this is what intrigued me. And it, it's ongoing now, so it's brilliant. can talk about it. Kai Havertz. I mean, the German's been heavily linked to a move to the capital of Spain. Is it just me who feels that if we do get this 60 million plus bonuses for Kai, that it would just be good business? I'm going to let Chris take this one. <laughs> If we manage to get 60 million off Real Madrid for Kai Havertz, Todd Bowley must be sitting in his office just flicking money around laughing. Because, <laughs> because honestly, that, that would be the exact equivalent of just walking into a bank and robbing it. Like uh, yeah. Because oh my God. Like I have although I have no doubt Kai Havertz will probably go there and be really good. But and what I don't want to hear is in a year's time, everyone going, oh, what a mistake it was to sell him. But just because just he goes mm. to Real Madrid and might be good. And let's say he goes there and he is good. Doesn't mean he was ever going to be good at Chelsea. Yeah, and yeah. he but, is never going to be good for us. I, I'm, I mean, I, I'm glad someone said yeah. that because it, it's so important. Like a transfer is actually better if it's good for all parties. You know, yeah, like, there yeah. doesn't there don't have to be winners and losers in, in a transfer. We don't, Every player Chelsea sells doesn't have to go on to be terrible. For, no, you know, like, for, 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 you know, bragging rights or brownie I, points or whatever. I sort of look at Kai Havertz as like high quality set of kitchen silverware. You know, he cost us quite a lot at the time. And we thought we were going to use this for so many years to come. But we had that one big event. We entertained our boss at dinner, served them up a lovely steak. Everyone was happy, impressed by this silverware. Uh, but the reality has been since then, the silverware is sat in a drawer and we have no idea when to use it or even how to properly use it anymore. That's pretty fair. Uh, yeah. That's great. That that's yeah. really good. That's <laughs> yeah. absolutely yeah. right. Especially the like not knowing how to use it part, because I think you know as much as as much stick as we do give Havertz at times on this show, it's also important to remember that he's been playing mostly out of position as a striker mm. for the past few years, and you know hasn't really complained. But it's just like if nothing in that regard is going to change, such as like where he plays or you know the form he's in, there's an absolute no brainer to sell him. You know, you're not oh, going to yeah. renew him if he's playing like that. So what What else have you got to lose? Exactly. So back in March, as I look for a sound drop, we kicked off a new seg called Remembering When, where the concept was we took a look back at an iconic comic or any type of moment in Chelsea history that we just, we just feel it's perfect to talk about. So we go from our greatest manager in... Mourinho to a man that arguably had the chance to become a true Chelsea great by winning the club the treble and we're going to just casually replace the FA Cup with the League Cup for this treble so while we remember him well it, it is when Avram Grant nearly won Chelsea this treble so if you all cast your minds back to 07-08 season that summer Mourinho had just brought in look at this this is a stellar list of names Fabio Barini, Giuliano Belletti Florent yeah. Maluda Steve Sidwell 
Tal Benaim and Claudio Pizarro. Uh, obviously, we won three, drew two, and then lost one of the next of the first six games in the league. And then a one-one draw at Rosenborg meant, um, ooh, you know, Club and Jose parting ways by mutual consent after a breakdown in that relationship. So, who would have Chelsea appoint? Well, they scouted far and wide and thought, you know what, the director of football, Avram Grant, he, he's the perfect candidate for us. So he'd only just been appointed in this role of director two months prior as well. So he takes over as Chelsea's manager in the September. Some are arguing he's merely been put in place to agree with Roman Abramovich and act on his whims. And they were just expecting Chelsea to plummet down the league. And despite this, Avram Grant defied every expectation to play a role in a European challenge and a title challenge, vying for both domestic and Champions League titles, just the final matches of the season. Uh, wow, I mean, guys, what, what are your memories of when this actually happened in that September? I was very young at the time, but um, I do. Re- I remember being gutted after Mourinho left when I was, you know, in the playground at school. Um, and but Grant himself coming in, I think everyone was kind of the opinion that Mourinho is almost like was this godlike figure at the time. Still is to a lot of people that whoever comes in could not possibly do like you know do an adequate job of replacing him and let's be clear grant didn't but he did uh, for a while he did make us think he could <laughs> and, and yeah. you know what that was <laughs> that that gave us all hope for a little while and uh, you know what? i thought the football we played under him wasn't as bad as people think um you know i, I think that there are a lot of people who really slate the way that we played football under grant or like saying it was forgettable or whatnot maybe it was a little bit but the results speak for themselves for sure uh, what about yourself, Chris? Um, I, did, I was gutted when Mourinho went. I think everyone was. And I, I think it was another case of that's why uh, Grant got some of the flack that he did because the fans didn't want Mourinho gone. It's really hard to follow a manager who the fans wanted to stay, I think. Well, just look at Tuchel to Potter, you know? Uh, yeah, exactly. Mm. Uh, it, you know, it's a real tough job, that. And... I do think he deserves some credit, though, because this isn't like... It's not like he came in in March and... Because you see interim bosses sometimes. They'll get appointed in, like, March and they'll have a good run till the end of the season. Uh, He he basically took over a full season. I mean, it was only early in the season when, when he took over. So to manage that squad as well with the lack of CV he had going into the job, taking over a group full of serial winners who had just, you know, had just been winning back-to-back titles under Mourinho. It's, he deserves a lot of credit for that. I think his man management was really good. I, yeah. I don't think he was necessarily the best tactical manager, but I think when you've got a really good squad, I don't think you necessarily need a massive tactical manager I think it is mm-hmm. about managing the squad and I think that was the thing that he was he was best at and what we needed at that time I mean Mourinho look I mean he achieved wild success at the club I mean he two Premier League titles two League Cups an FA Cup in just three seasons I mean but it was that entire summer it was rife with speculation that there was going to be there was this manager owner breakdown in the relationship apparently all over demands for a new striker I mean this does happen from time to time in all businesses, but considering Jose had just lifted the FA Cup and League Cup in the previous season, and we finished second to a really bloody good Manchester United side. Personally, I didn't think he would actually get sacked unless we just kind of 
we're doing what we did last season. <laughs> I mean, here are some stats as well from here. Uh, Avram Grant's fine a uh, tenure in charge of Chelsea. So he we played in our first Champions League final. Went the entire 07-08 campaign without suffering a single defeat at home. We signed future icons in the January, such as Anelka and Ivanovic. I mean, those two were serious key pieces in Carlo's double-winning side as well. And we used to do so well in January sales, didn't we? Yeah. I mean, it, it was arguably one of the wildest periods in our history, yet we nearly accomplished so much. I mean, at the time, Grant had no UEFA Pro license at the time, yet in December of that same year, he's been handed a four-year deal. I mean, it's an incredible start to his tenure. And we all know after the Blues, he'd gone on to be twice relegated with arguably a financially crippled Portsmouth and then a year later at West Ham. Don't get me wrong. I also questioned his appointment when it happened. But what I cannot understand even now is if Abramovich always intended to find a new man at the end of the season to take over Chelsea, why did he give him a long-term contract in the winter? Does anyone have any ideas on that? No, but it's, no. it's a testament to how how brutal and how sort of how high the standards that Roman really held the 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 best of the best managers like if you if you remember rightly um you know, after after Grant obviously you had Ancelotti and he was arguably also unjustly sacked as well so it it says mm. a lot about the sort of the kind of guy Abramovich was at the time which I think he he kind of loosened up a little bit after that in sort of into the 2010s but was still very sort of brutal in in firing and hiring as he saw fit but it it just seems to me that like i don't know it it, it seems it's almost like a classic sort of chelsea thing where we've always had all these kind of problems and dysfunctions throughout the club and we always kind of won anyway almost in spite of it and uh, mm. that's kind of what avram grant says to me is actually is that we we were almost good i'm not trying to say he was a bad coach but i think we were almost good in spite of him rather than because of him I mean, I mean that season as well. After we replaced Grant with Scolari, that went well. Oh Jesus! <laughs> he was there till February. It started well. We'd got obviously Deco in and Basingwa, and it went started to go well. But that's a story for another day. Uh, Chris, what do you, what what why why did we hand him a four year deal? I think it's uh, a real insight into the fact that Abramovich and partly the problems that we're in now is down to the fact that for everything good about Abramovich and there were so many good things and people people know how much I, I supported him during the whole selling the club thing and, and all that. Um, he had never had a long-term plan. <laughs> he was very, I, I, I think he just did things on a whim. It, it seemed to me like he just thought, nah, give him a contract. And then six months later, thought, nah, sack him. I, I don't think he ever thought beyond the now. And I think that's why we're so successful. I don't think he ever, you, we never ever would have heard Abramovich talk about a project. I think he was one of them people who only ever spoke about winning now and let's win now. And we'll worry about tomorrow. I mean, to later. be fair, he never really spoke, but, but I do see what no. you say in terms of like, what, I think what behind, then the, I, comes from the club from that. Yeah. I imagine behind the scenes, I'd, I, it'd be really interesting to to speak to the managers he appointed and to know whether he ever spoke about a project because I don't think he would have. I think the the demand was you come in and you win something. 
I think more, maybe you're, it, or you're gone. It depends. I think. I think in terms of the um, the like the youth academy, it might have been like a little bit, mm. but the project there was to just make money from the youth academy. So yeah. I, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I looked I, in. I, yeah, go on. I don't think uh, if you look at especially the earlier years, like you said, from sort of 03 when he took over to to sort of the start of the tens. I don't think he cared about the youth academy at all, except for let's make these good down here. They're never going to be good enough for us. Let's sell them on, make some money so we can buy good players for the first team. I, I don't think he ever thought about that. I, I honestly, and if if everything that happened hadn't happened and he was still in charge, there's no way managers like Graham Potter get appointed. That's, there's, there's, that's a good point. There's probably no way Partino gets appointed. Yeah, just managers who alone. need, yeah, managers who need time to build and be successful wasn't what he went for. He went for people who come in and win. Now, mm. I mean, you, you spot. I think you got a good point there. I mean, I looked into what the players felt about all of this when Grant took over, and the mood within the locker room is one of intrigue. I mean, as to many, he was not Mourinho. And I have a quote here from Tal Ben Aim, and it was. Jose is the reason I came to Chelsea. And if I knew Avram Grant was going to be the coach, then I would have signed for another club. I knew that nothing good could come with Grant as Chelsea coach. That's really interesting. Yeah. Look, when I said what I said about the Tuchel to Potter thing, you can th- think about a Bamiang in the same way. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Michael Balak said, said this, Avram never really had a chance looking back. It was really difficult after Mourinho to work at Chelsea. It could cause a problem for any manager because Mourinho has had such an imp- a huge impact, such a relationship with the players and the fans. It would be a problem for any coach. Um, so the, that new manager bounce that used to exist, remember them? That kicked in. Uh, Chelsea won the games that they were expected to win. They won their group in the Champions League, went unbeaten for 16 games. Uh, and What was the suspicion? Well, that was that it lingered that Chelsea's key players were sort of self-managing that the side were enjoying success despite rather than because of Grant's input. I mean, I said earlier. Exactly. And (laughs) I put down, is this fair? I think it is because Roberto Di Matteo arguably had a similar situation when we won the Champions League and FA Cup. As the following season after that, with him in full charge, we sort of sucked. Uh, Do you know what? This is a, it's been a problem at Chelsea for a long time, actually, that the players kind of just don't care. And like that, they're not really bothered about who you are as a coach. You know, they will effectively, you know, manage and play for and, you know, police themselves. And mm. we've seen that kind of been a, a big issue actually in the last couple seasons. But I think I think the difference with this group that we're talking about now to any group since really is I think under Grant. They did sort of manage themselves under Di Matteo. They definitely did. I think Di Matteo has even admitted that himself. I'm pretty sure I've read him say that, that he was mainly there just to facilitate them. Um, They knew what it meant to play for Chelsea. So regardless of who was sat in the dugout, whether they liked them or not, when they went on the pitch, they went on to win. Yeah. It wasn't anything about I'm throwing this manager under the bus. They didn't care who he was, whether you was Mourinho, Grant, Scolari, Ancelotti, Di Matteo. It it made no difference to them. They they knew that for those ninety minutes they was Chelsea players. So it didn't matter what they was doing in the week, whether they was listening to the manager or not, or how much of an impact he was having, or whether they thought that he was going to make them a better player. 
they went on the pitch, they did their thing, they won games, they won trophies, and that's mm. the difference now. Like I this mean, group don't don't do that, so no, they can't. They'd rather the throw manager. their toys out of the pram, almost do it. They'd <laughs> yeah. almost like almost take it and take that and and become, you know, like they 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 take the energy of it and instead of pushing it towards that sort of anger and determination towards winning, they kind of just throw a strop instead. Yeah. Yep. I mean, the first piece of that treble that never was was the League Cup. Grant's team selection arguably not great. Balak, Joe Cole, Ashley Cole omitted from the starting lineup. That's Anelka. Criminal. Anelka was on the wide left, and it was a poor showing. Spurs won an extra time. That was one trophy gone. Arguably down to poor game management, but and to Spurs the, as well. That's, and, uh, it's, uh, that did suck. I remember is, it unfortunately, unfortunately too well. Unfortunately, that is unforgivable. Yeah. I yeah. mean in the league yeah. key in the league, key victories over Arsenal and United brought us level on points with the Red Devils. There was two games left to play. And then the two legged Champions League semi final against Liverpool was claimed fourth through an aggregate. Looking good, looking good. But the final two league games of the season ended in us beating Newcastle but drawing against Bolton after they scored the ninetieth minute. Now, sadly, look, even if we had beaten Bolton, it, it wouldn't have mattered. United had a better goal difference of eighteen before the goal even went in. So you could argue it wasn't in our hands at all because you're not going to see this. The 18 goal swing is never happening. It is not happening. You know, uh, Might have you were playing. You never know. Well, possible, possible. Uh, Anelka's penalty saved and the, what could have been vanishes into the air. Cause we all know obviously before that, because it was Anelka's penalty that sealed the Champions League. JT does miss that penalty in Moscow. And um, just trying to, we, that's painful. Uh, when you look back at 0708, do you feel this was an iconic Chelsea side that achieved nothing but the silver medal? Couldn't get the job done when it mattered? Or should it be remembered more fondly? I think it, a lot of it will be characterised as a as like an almost team. You know, uh, like a team that was almost there, almost ready to be the, the ones to, to win it all. But it just wasn't to be. But I think almost... You never know. I think without that struggle and without that pain, I think that drove a lot of the senior players to the to the Champions League in 2011-12 when we did win it. So, mm. I mean, all... what I've, I found most intriguing here is that there were mentions that if Grant had have won the Champions League, he'd still been sacked. I mean, that we will, we will never know if it was true. But I, it, it did feel like... That's 11... the most Chelsea thing ever, isn't it's it? It's very Chelsea. <laughs> Congratulate you have won the Champions League. That is so lovely. Please leave. Please buy. I mean, I feel like the 11-12 squad were also self-managing themselves. I mean, look, Avram Grant's not a good manager in the Premier League. If you look at Portsmouth and West Ham, despite the circumstances, the facts are right there. Relegated, relegated. And if you read Didier Drogba's autobiography, he indicated that the players to a large degree kind of managed themselves during that 07-08. And... Chelsea at this time had just so many captains who could just deal out authority. You had true leaders. You had Lampard, you had Terry, Drogba, Essien, Czech, Carvalho, Ivanovic, Balak, Shevchenko. They were all national captains or vice captains, just from my memory. And look at Di Matteo. He was able to take us to the FA Cup and Champions League final where we won both. Now, do I believe Di Matteo is a top tier manager? No. I mean, he was met at Schalke and he resigned after two wins in 10 which saw them miss out on Champions League place. And then at Villa, he was sacked in the October of his first season. I mean, but will you remember this side fondly, Chris, or do you feel something different? I think this, this, that squad um, epitomises that saying, um, players win matches, but managers win trophies. And I think 
because that's you can take a good squad like that and you can put them on the pitch most weeks and because they're better than the team that they're playing they'll win but managers make a difference in those key moments and if you look at the league cup final if you look at the champions league final there was key moments in all of those games where uh, a Mourinho and Ancelotti they make a difference in those moments and that's all what managing top players is it's managing little moments that's top players don't need to be told how to play football they already know that it's it's the managers make key decisions a, a, a tactical switch you know it's even something as simple as swapping wingers from one side to the other those little things make a difference in key moments and i think that's what we that's what that squad was missing they was missing that person on the sideline who could spot either what was going wrong or a weakness in the opposition that we could have exploited because to be fair in that champions league final after ronaldo's header we was the better team and should have won mm-hmm. we played man mm-hmm. we played a, a, what is seen as a sort of vintage man united team we played them off the pitch Mm. For, for the rest of the game and was really unlucky not to win but I do think there was moments where we could have just pushed a little bit harder to go for that win and that's where a top manager would have made a difference and mm. I, I would say the same actually Chris but uh, in the same way that you also then have you know Di Matteo who's come in and done exactly that a few years later but that I think is the exception that proves the rule you know like mm. the fact that it was that it has only happened with the likes of more or less Di Matteo is kind of indicative of the fact that, you know, those big moments very rarely happen without a big manager in charge. Yeah. 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 Well, hopefully you've enjoyed that listeners with a little remembering when, uh, thank you for listening to the episode. Uh, I'm sure you needed it after the Sunday that was, um, treat yourself well with that. The end of another episode. We'll be back on Friday to discuss something else. No idea at the moment or do I, do I? So till then that will be us. Signing off. You've been listening to At The Bridge Pod, a Chelsea FC podcast. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram by searching for At The Bridge Pod. And if you're listening on Apple or Spotify, leaving us a review is always appreciated.